Welcome to the Resources for Integrated Care webinar, Beyond Alzheimer's Disease, Other Causes of Progressive Dementia in the Older Adult. This podcast is excerpted from a webinar presented live on April 6, 2017. This webinar is presented by the Lewin Group in collaboration with Community Catalyst and is supported through the Medicare-Medicaid Coordination Office at the Centers for Medicare and Medicaid Services. MMCO is dedicated to ensuring beneficiaries enrolled in Medicare and Medicaid have access to seamless, high-quality health care that includes the full range of covered services in both programs. To support providers in their efforts to deliver more integrated, coordinated care, MMCO is developing technical assistance and actionable tools based on successful innovations and care models. To learn more about current efforts and resources, please visit our website or follow us on Twitter for more details. Our Twitter handle is at integrate underscore care. In this podcast, Jerry Hall, Clinical Nurse Specialist at Banner Alzheimer's Institute, discusses preventing and managing non-cognitive behaviors in dementia. Thank you very much, Dr. Lance. Um, It's very nice to be here today, and this is a topic I care deeply about. Uh, Like Dr. Lance, I uh, made a lot of slides that people can use when looking at handouts uh, because there's so much material. Symptom presentation in dementia depends on several things. The first, though, and the most important, is the location of the areas of degeneration. That primarily determines the symptoms of the dementia. Uh, Pathologic changes such as Lewy bodies um, and comorbid conditions, um, but very much environmental factors um, make a huge difference in symptom presentation. Okay, very briefly on this, looking at FDG PET results, um, look at the areas within the red circle. Within the red circle or confined area is where you would expect Alzheimer's to be. The first brain is a normal brain. The second one has mild cognitive impairment. The third one has early Alzheimer's disease, and you'll see that the blue was where the damage is, and it fits right within that red-lined area. Uh, D is frontotemporal dementia. You can see that the red-lined area is well-preserved, but the front of the brain and the side is impaired. And then finally, uh, E shows what happens when you have a very complicated dementia. Uh, The E patient has uh, Lewy body disease. May I have the next slide, please? If the location is different and the symptoms are different, the care needs are different. Um, I'm going to cover Lewy body disease and some frontotemporal lobar degeneration. Next slide, please. Next slide, please. Um, With Lewy body disease, there are three common presentations, which is why diagnosis is sort of challenging in the beginning. Some individuals start out with a movement disorder leading to a diagnosis of Parkinson's disease and later develop dementia. Another group starts out with memory and cognitive disorders. However, it's not quite the same as Alzheimer's. It tends to fluctuate more greatly, um, and there are very often uh, psychiatric symptoms associated with it. 
Uh, and lastly, there's a small group that first present with neuropsychiatric symptoms. The most common are hallucinations, and it's visual hallucinations, but it can be olfactory or auditory hallucinations also. Uh, behavior problems and difficulty with complex mental uh, activities. Next slide, please. Some of the common symptoms, uh, the first is the one that's very often present up to two years prior to uh, a person developing Lewy body disease, and that's a, a REM sleep disorder. The patient acts out uh, the dreams while asleep. There's very often excessive daytime sleepiness uh, and restless leg movement. Very often a spouse will tell you that they have to leave the bed and go into another room just because of the restlessness. Second is impaired thinking with problems with executive function, planning, processing information. Again, the memory tends to be episodic, so the patient may do very well for weeks or months at a time and then have a short period where their memory is impaired and then it gets better, so it fluctuates. Um, third is problems with movement including tremors and stiffness, and a, a typical Parkinsonian presentation. The important thing about Lewy body dementia is very few of these people really respond to the anti-Parkinsonian medications. And um, as a result, um, the anti-Parkinson anti medications can make the hallucinations worse or cause hallucinations for the first time. Uh, altered sensory perception, particularly visual-spatial perception, um, hallucinations, behavior and move symptoms, but also towards the moderate parts of the disease, you get changes in the autonomic body function. So they have problems with orthostatic hypertension, uh, temperature regulation, postural control. They tend to fall a lot, um, bowel and bladder function. And very important, finally, these patients are exquisitely sensitive to medications, particularly those that affect the central nervous system. So that you get, you have to use very small um, doses of medication. You have to use slow progression of doses, et cetera, um, and watch for side effects. Care of a person with Lewy body dementia, it's similar to Alzheimer's uh, type dementia in terms of decreasing stimulus, increasing rest, uh, and promoting exercise, um, including big and loud programs, which help the patients to breathe more deeply um, and their balance. Um, safety issues due to the REM sleep disorders and fall precautions are important. Uh, <clears throat> you cannot prevent falls in all of these patients. Um, supportive self-care activities. Um, and control of misleading environmental stimuli. Think of the television as your enemy um, because that t TV is very often a huge trigger of hallucinations and delusions. Um, and prepare the family for a response for uh, potential aggression so that they have a plan. And then there is the Lewy Body Dementia Association and support groups. Um, with therapies, Physical therapy, occupational therapy, recreational therapy have all been very, very helpful, plus pharmacist consult, uh, consultation um, on over-the-counter medications and 
uh, prescription medications and how they interact. Now we get to frontotemporal dementia or frontotemporal lobar degeneration. Um, the best thing I can say about it is it's complicated. There are three common types. The first is, and most common, is what we call BVFTD or behavioral variant frontotemporal dementia. Um, we, it's sometimes referred to now as Pick's disease. Um, you've got apathy, reduced drive, uh, loss of executive function, inappropriate and impulsive behaviors, uh, and very important, what we call anosognosia, which means that the patient has no insight into their condition. Um, and even if their arms and legs fell off, they still wouldn't have insight or, or the ability to update their condition. The second is progressive language decline, and there's three different types, uh, but basically the patient loses the ability to gradually to understand and use language. Um, and progressive motor decline, which is much more rare, thank goodness. Um, things like uh, frontotemporal dementia with ALS are fairly common. Um, the patient will have what looks like behavioral variant dementia for a year or two, and then after that, they tend to develop motor symptoms and they pass on very quickly. Mixed dementias are common, but usually are diagnosed at autopsy. It is not uncommon, particularly in older adults who present with frontotemporal dementia, to have a mixture of Alzheimer's disease and frontotemporal dementia. And people with memory loss and FTD presentation um, sometimes can benefit from use with the anticholinergics. But Dr. Lance was right. You don't want to start an anticholinergic medication or a cholinesterase inhibitor, I'm sorry. You don't want to start a cholinesterase inhibitor in a patient with uh, FTD as a general rule. New slide, please. Um, these patients are often misdiagnosed. Uh, I completed a study of 68 patients, and we found that some patients went as long as 12 to 14 years without having a diagnosis because people kept giving them psychiatric diagnoses because it's so, um, the patients are young and it's hard to believe that they have a dementia. Very often these patients are labeled as late onset bipolar disorder, uh, which there is really no such thing. If you see somebody with a diagnosis of late onset uh, bipolar, you might automatically begin to think of um, someone with FTD. New paragraph, or new slide, I'm sorry. Um, people with Alzheimer's disease tend to worsen, uh, have behavioral symptoms that worsen with progression, and with frontotemporal dementia, it's just the opposite. They tend to have initial more severe behavior problems that remain stable for a couple of years and then tend to uh, actually improve a little bit. Um, again, the patient has loss of insight. Uh, patients tend to exaggerate their positive personality qualities and minimize the negative. Um, they have uh, more problems with dominance, um, cold-heartedness, introversion, and ingeniousness. They're extremely challenging to care for. Uh, particularly because you can't reason with them at all and they have no idea they have a problem. 
Aging, I'm going to let you read this, but you'll see that the mild has marked behavioral changes and in the behavioral variant. One of the things about frontotemporal dementia is that it tends to attack, uh, attack the brain more on one side than the other. So you can have the behavioral variant um, in the non-dominant side of the brain or the uh, language variant in the dominant side of the brain. And as the disease progresses, the, it tend, the degeneration tends to move across the brain, so you get mixing of, of types. Um, some of the, the community-based interventions, you want a good diagnostic evaluation and hopefully a care team. If you look at uh, www.theaftd.org, you will find places with resources all across the country for uh, people with uh, FTD. Uh, follow up with social workers and advanced practice nurse uh, for long-term care strategies and management, and also ongoing interventions that are pharmacologic and non-pharmacologic. Psychiatric assessment is very helpful with behavioral variant. Uh, particularly, there are a number of these patients who will become quite aggressive, and a psychiatric admission is not uncommon. And then guardianship and conservatorship empower the family to make decisions. The problem is that when applying for an involuntary guardianship, this patient looks normal, they feel normal, they'll tell everybody they're normal, um, and when you send them for a neuropsych evaluation or an evalu any type of neurologic evaluations, they can pass the mental status test because mental status tests rely heavily on memory for their scores, and this patient has an intact memory. Um, other things, family needs to manage the patient's money, uh, deal with driving issues, eliminate internet connections, because these patients will spend huge amounts of money. Um, taking steps to block phone solicitors, uh, applying for disability and SSDI. Again, these patients are not 65 for the most part, uh, although my average patient is right around 60. Um, and, <clears throat> but they don't automatically uh, qualify for Medicare and uh, pensions, etc. Um, and then explore using companion services for activities because very often the spouse or partner is still working and in many cases these patients still have young children at home, which is a whole set of problems unto itself. We use with these patients a palliative care approach. The average patient lives about five to ten years with FTD and so we're not going to use things like um, things uh, Lipitor and, and things that are going to uh, hopefully work in about 10 years. Uh, we minimize the medications to only the essential. We try and get families into support groups, and there is one for people who have no access to um, support groups in their area. Medic alert bracelet um, and tiles for tracking systems. Uh, many of these patients become very um, hypermotor, motoric, and what they tend to do is wander in their car, on their bikes, and then wander on foot. Um, and so um, that can be a problem. 
Uh, we avoid be activities that trigger obsessions. Obsessions are, are a very interesting part of FTD in that, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, they um, are normal for the disease. And if you discuss it with a patient, why are you playing the piano one song for 18 hours a day? What they'll tell you is it helps manage their stress. So in Alzheimer's disease, what you might do is try and distract the patient. What you're going to do, if you can, with AF, with the uh, frontotemporal dementia, is you're going to try and use those obsessions to keep the patient busy and engaged. Uh, and violence precautions. Many of these patients um, have um, violent episodes. Um, and uh, you have to get weapons out of the house. You're not going to tell the patient about it. Uh, have a care caregiver escape plan. And we insist that caregivers wear life alerts so that if they are trapped in a room or hiding in the basement or whatever with uh, to keep away from the patient, they need some way to summon help immediately. So a life alert really works uh, well. And there are any number of, of uh, ones on the market right now. Uh, new slide, please. Um, again, repetitive behaviors serve a valuable function. They reduce mood or stress and help the patient uh, remain calm and control um, the mood. Most common are motor activities with this. Okay, when we stage behavioral variant, the average lifespan after diagnosis is five to seven years. Um, the profound um, behavioral symptoms become apathy as the disease progresses, lack of sympathy, and severe disinhibition, uh, language disabilities, cognitive losses. Um, the patient may be fully independent in basic activities of daily living. However, that does not necessarily mean they're going to bathe or shave for you. Um, this is a patient who can become quite aggressive over issues such as bathing. And so we have the motto that no one ever died from not bathing. Uh, late in the disease, this is a patient who may develop spontaneous vocalizations, uh, which are not helped by medications, uh, particularly the benzodiazepines um, will make the problem worse. Uh, Post-admission, if the patient goes into long-term care, um, large dining rooms ought to be avoided if it's at all possible. Um, uh, monitoring uh, intake for stuffing the mouth with food to avoid choking, stealing food from other residents, and eating non-food items. Um, many patients with Alzheimer's disease will essentially stop eating. People with FTD may stop eating, but very often they, they binge and are, will gain large amounts of weight. Um, they need structured activities, but a flexible routine. Um, if they're wandering and obsessive, we want to make sure they get calorie-dense foods and snacks um, <clears throat> and encourage activities. But one of the things that people say is, why isn't John interacting with other people? That's part of the FTD. That's just a, a symptom. Uh, focus on brief physical activities such as exercising, walking, dancing. Uh, and there is some research uh, showing that painting can be very appropriate for these patients. Um, and then psychiatric assessments periodically uh, if the manipulation 
uh, sexual gestures, arguing, etc., present and get worse. Um, Post-admission staff education is very important, particularly with the family. Um, the family's been dealing with this. They sort of know what to do. Um, I always worry when the family comes in and they say, we found a unit, and they deal with patients with FTD all the time, because sometimes we don't know what that means. Uh, occupational therapy for personal care techniques, uh, physician assessment for poor appetite, bowel movements and behaviors. Um, sometimes these patients will develop pica and um, will eat things that they sh shouldn't that are non-food items, including uh, defecation. And so we have to be very careful about that. Terminal care is similar to all dementias with terminal care. Um, with primary progressive aphasia, the one thing I would strongly recommend is periodic speech therapy consultations, both for chewing and swallowing, for uh, language production, whether the person can use um, adaptive devices, and also how much the patient is able to um, understand. In sum, as diagnostic specificity improves, non-Alzheimer dementias are going to be diagnosed more frequently and a one-size-fits-all program does not work for people with non-Alzheimer's dementias. So if somebody says to you, oh, FTD, that's the same as Alzheimer's, it's just dementia, this is a person who really doesn't understand. Families and care providers, as Sharon will tell you, are desperate for answers, ongoing support, and to seek out others suffering from familiar, uh, similar conditions. Um, interdisciplinary care and research are critically important.